Ted Bohork is here with News Talk KZRG. Welcome to this week's episode of Plot Summary. This is where I take everything that Peter, even myself, discussed this week on the Morning News Watch, and I give it to you in a nice little plot summary. We're going to start off this week with good old Joe Biden. A new round of Joe Biden's polls came in this week, and his approval rating sank to nearly its lowest point ever. Many political peeps have been uh, attributing that mostly to the state that the U.S. economy is in, given the whole bank collapses with SVB and, you know, Suisse and a lot of bank stuff going on. We'll go over that later on. All you need to know right now is that the economy's in shambles, unfortunately. Inflation is through the roof, and somehow the Fed is still raising interest rates. So we also have all that sort of going on. And because of that, Biden's approval ratings, or most likely because of that, rather, Biden's approval rating's pretty low. Currently, Biden's approval rating sits at 38%, which is a pretty big drop from February, just a month before, at 45%. He was at 45, now he's at 38. That's a huge drop in a very short amount of time. We're not even through March yet. <laughs> we, still, we still got like 10 days left. So, yeah, big drop. Now, this poll came from the Associated Press, which most people consider to be fairly neutral. So we got that going for it. It is important to note this is not the lowest that he has been at. His lowest point ever was in July of 2022, uh, you know, last summer, amid the record high gas prices that was going on. In addition to the compounding of inflation, and the Fed hadn't really done a whole lot about it yet, so there's a lot of that going on. Biden at that time, in July of 2022, had an approval rating of 36%. (laughs) I mean, if you had 100 people in the room, 36 of them would like him. That's crazy. If you had 10 people in a room, barely four people would like him. Actually, three and a half people would think he's doing a good job. Out of 10 people in a room, think of 10 people right now. Think of three of them thinking he's doing a good job. That's the entire country here. It's crazy. Now, it is important to note that there is a difference between an approval rating and a disapproval rating. An approval rating, obviously, is is he doing a good job. I like him. Keep him in. I think he's, he's doing amazing. And then people that don't really have an opinion, and then disapproval. People that actively think he's doing poorly and actively think he's creating harm, right? That's sort of the disapproval rating. At his absolute lowest point, Biden's approval rating was 36, and his disapproval rating was 57. More than half of the country thought he was actually harming the country, while only 36% of people thought he was doing good. Yeah, Biden's polls aren't looking too hot, unfortunately for Biden. And some people say it's because he's sleepy, sleepy Joe. Well, people can't really say that too much anymore. President Biden this week actually vetoed a bill for the very, very first time in his presidency. Looks like he woke up. He did something good for him. The Republican legislature this week prevented Joe Biden's administration from taking environmental, social, and corporate governance issues into account when making investment decisions. Those are the ESGs that everyone's been worrying about. We've been talking about them quite a bit on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Everyone's been very worried and scared of these ESGs, and the Republican-led legislature actually did something. They actually passed some, some bills, some legislation to try and curb ESGs, which is pretty cool in the sense that the government is actually doing something. Nice to hear some movement going on. Well, Joe Biden woke up and he decided he was going to block it. Biden argued that the bill was overwhelmingly influenced by what he called, quote, MAGA Republicans. 
And so he decided it shouldn't go through. When asked about this formally, Joe Biden announced, quote, I just vetoed my first bill. This bill would risk your retirement savings by making it illegal to consider risk factors MAGA House Republicans don't like. Your plan manager should be able to protect your hard-earned savings, whether Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene likes it or not, end quote. So the Republicans and the Democrats are both framing ESG in the exact same way, but for opposite reasons. The Democrats, in this case more specifically Joe Biden, is saying by not considering ESGs, your investments are actually more likely to fail. Whereas Republicans are saying if you do consider ESGs, your investments are actually more likely to fail. Sort of a truth standoff here. They're both making the exact same claim, but in opposite directions. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. Another interesting tidbit about this whole thing is Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, Senator. He came out of the woodwork once again. And Democratic Senator Joe Manchin actually blasted Biden for the veto. Manchin disagreed with Biden. He said that Biden was placing radical social agendas on the American people. This is a this is a member of his own party, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Joe Manchin, a Democrat, said, quote, This administration continues to prioritize their radical policy agenda over the economic, energy, and national security needs of our country, and it is absolutely infuriating. West Virginians are under increasing stress as we continue to recover from a -a once-in-a-generation pandemic, pay the bills amid record inflation, and face the largest land war in Europe since World War II. The administration's unrelenting campaign to advance a radical social and environmental agenda is only exacerbating these challenges, end quote. Biden got a lot of flack for that veto, which is kind of funny because it's sort of the first major pieces of news that Biden has actually done since him tripping down the stairs of Air Force One. Not quite the reception he was hoping, which leaves many to ask why. You know, why, why was this reception so poor, seemingly on both sides of the aisle, Well, some of it is a little bit obvious, but some of it is less obvious. This week saw a very, very big growth in scrutiny over the Biden administration, specifically in what Republicans have dubbed Biden Inc. This week, CNN news anchor Aaron Burnett admitted that evidence revealing that the Biden family received over a million dollars from accounts linked directly to Hunter Biden's Chinese business dealings. CNN is saying this is real evidence. And CNN is also saying this does not look good for the president's family. And the reason why I sort of hound in the CNN aspect is CNN is slowly becoming very famous for their deep left-wing bias, their, their, their grand left-wing leaning. Famously attacked Trump, famously attacked quote-unquote conservatives like Elon Musk, like Joe Rogan, they were going scorched earth for a very long time. And the fact that CNN is admitting that this is true, which is not what they did during the Hunter Biden laptop story breaking, side note, not only are they admitting that it is true, but they're also admitting this is not a good thing, that this is actually very problematic, not just for optics, but for Americans. (laughs) It's not good that the president is making money off of foreign hostile nations now some other anchors on cnn argued that nothing damaging legally is likely to be found yet 
but most certainly unethical findings are to be expected soon. And we've already been seeing a lot of those. A lot of them have already been uncovered, and there's so much more to go. For example, it was discovered just weeks after Joe Biden left the office as Barack Obama's vice president, State Energy HK Limited, which is a firm affiliated directly with the Chinese Communist Party, backed by energy company CEFC, China Energy, as it's known, those two groups wired $3 million to Biden family associate Rob Walker. Now, Rob Walker is not actually part of the Biden family, but he's a close business partner and associate. Okay, so big deal. Rob Walker makes $3 million off of a foreign adversarial nation that wants to do us harm. Well, it doesn't stop there. Walker then proceeded to dish out that money to a number of Biden associates, including Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's brother, James Biden, and his late son, Beau Biden's widow, Haley Biden. They all got a little piece of the action there. That was a very big story this week for some news outlets. And because of that, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of news scrutiny has been dumped on the Biden family, so to speak. And that, along with the poor economy, may be the explanation for his very low poll numbers, almost record low poll numbers. Uh, Speaking of presidents, former President Donald Trump was in the news a lot this week. We discussed him quite a bit on the morning news watch at News Talk KZRG. The Trump investigation. Which one, you're asking? I know, there's a lot. Specifically the one relating to Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Now, Trump had tweeted out, or not tweeted, he um, truth-socialed out. I don't know what their little buzz term is called. Trump socialed, truthed out, whatever you want to call it. That he thinks the FBI is going to come for him and put him in handcuffs because of this possible indictment that we might be seeing. Everyone got very nervous. Everyone was very much so expecting that to happen this week, but it just sort of didn't. And to give you a little bit of history about this Alvin Bragg situation, Alvin Bragg is the Manhattan district attorney, and he is launching an investigation into whether or not former President Donald Trump used campaign financing unlawfully, unethically, and inappropriately to pay former porn star Stormy Daniels hush money during the 2016 campaign. As the story goes, Trump had an affair of some kind with this porn star, and when he was running for president in 2016, it kind of came out a little bit. It was in the news, and supposedly Donald Trump paid Stormy Daniels hush money, to not talk about it or, you know, or to deny it or whatever. And also, supposedly, the money that he used to pay her may have come from campaign financing, which would be an illegal use of it. That is what Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is saying he did. That's what the investigation is all about. Why Manhattan? Supposedly, that's where the money was transferred to or or whatever. That's the claim by Alvin Bragg. That's what gives him jurisdiction. Now, it's important to note, no former president in all of U.S. history, has ever been indicted before, not like what Alvin Bragg was threatening to do. Um, Trump said it was happening this week. It didn't. But what did happen was the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees started doing an investigation into Alvin Bragg, sort of ironically. Now, the chairman this week of the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees, they demanded that Alvin Bragg hand over the documents and testify about what they say plainly appears to be a politically motivated prosecution of former President Donald Trump. 
That's what their own investig- like counter-investigation is about. Well, Alvin Bragg formally refused to cooperate with any probe or investigation into the case by House Republicans. In fact, in a letter written to three GOP committee chairmen, a top Alvin Bragg aide wrote, quote, The district attorney is obliged by the federal and state constitutions to protect the independence of state law enforcement functions from federal interference. While the DA's office will not allow a congressional investigation to impede the exercises of New York's sovereign police power, this office will always treat a fellow government entity with due respect. End quote. Basically, they will not allow the, these investigative bodies to be involved. A lot of people noted this week, and we discussed this on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG, it is a little ironic that all of a sudden Democrats are very interested in states' rights. But in any case, technically, he's right. And that's what a lot of pundits were saying this week, that, yeah, this is a states' rights thing. Now, the counter-argument, of course, is the fact that it's not just a states' rights thing because you're also indicting the former president of the United States, which is sort of a federal thing. So there's a lot of back and forth this week about, is this okay? What is the precedent? What? Where are the lines drawn? And unfortunately, we don't really have anything to go back and look at because this hasn't actually happened before, which is pretty crazy. Now, one GOP House Judiciary Committee member sort of stabbed back at Bragg and uh, said, quote, Alvin Bragg should focus on prosecuting actual criminals in New York City rather than harassing a political opponent in another state. Make Manhattan safe again, end quote. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Credit where credit's due. Speaking of uh, presidential peeps, Nikki Haley, she's going to be running for, or rather she is running for president in 2024 under the Republican ticket. This week, uh, Nikki Haley had outlined something a little contrary to typical Republican speaking points for the most part. She had said that she believes Russia must be defeated in Ukraine. And she said she thinks that way because that is the only way to stave off Chinese aggression. She went out on a limb this week and said, if we are able to show the world that united, we can defeat Russia and Ukraine. The Chinese are going to be having second thoughts about their aggressive tactics in recent years. Nikki Haley then went on to blast Biden, saying that Joe Biden isn't doing anything to actually stop the Russians. All he's doing is slowing them down. All he's doing is buying time. For what? I don't know. Nobody seems to know. Perhaps not even Biden seems to know. But Nikki Haley says that the measures that Biden is taking won't actually stop the Russians. They're just going to slow them down. She also noted that the U.S. could help Ukraine sufficiently without having to send blank checks. She then went on to say, Nikki Haley went on a bit of a tear. She went on to criticize, saying, look, the United States, we can help Ukraine without having to send them blank checks or having to put U.S. troops there. She said there is ways to get them resources that they need in an organized way. It doesn't have to be a... A a buy or take all. It doesn't have to just be a fire sale. Just send everything we have. Melt down our statues. Send them the metal. She's like, "We we don't need to do that, dude. And by the way, Nikki Haley would be the one to know that because she was the former ambassador to the United Nations under President Trump. She knows what she's talking about. And and this turned a lot of heads, especially in conservative circles this week, because Nikki Haley, again, a Republican, saying this is very off color with what other conservatives have been saying she is saying that the u.s needs to offer more support to ukraine her criticism is that we need to offer more organized support 
which is admittedly very different to what other conservatives have been saying, most notably DeSantis and former President Donald Trump. They both have said that this war is not a key U.S. interest. And yet here's Nikki Haley running for president saying maybe it is. So perhaps on the campaign trail for the primary for the Republicans for 2024, perhaps that might be a hot button issue. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Another big topic that we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk, KZRG, bank bailouts. Some are calling them that. Some are saying that's an unfair name. But in any case, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that regulators may be insuring all deposits at more banks following the SVB collapse, along with Signature Bank collapse. What does that mean exactly? It put very simply, the FDIC insures up to $250,000 in a bank per group, individual, whatever. If I have if I have $500,000 in a bank and then the bank collapses tomorrow, I am guaranteed to get back $250,000. Now that's half my money. Not great. I like it all back, but it's all, you know, it's half my money. Well, the problem a little bit is that, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, they had clients that had $5 million in the bank. So they're only getting $250,000 back? It's not, that's like 10%. It's not 10%. I'm not going to do the math. But you get my point. It's not a lot. And because of that, Janet Yellen decided she's going to insure all deposits, which is very off-color to what was actually promised, $250,000. Now, that sounds all good, fine, and dandy. But the problem is that our rainy day fund for these big issues like this is suddenly a lot lower than it was. Janet Yellen argued that this emergency money is being used properly. We did have to use this rainy day money to give these deposit insurances because otherwise the whole economy would collapse more or less. Bank after bank after bank would collapse. That's her argument, and that's why she says we need to be able to do this. Now, most people thought it ended with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, that all depositors would be bailed out. That's what she had said at the beginning. But this week, she kind of doubled back on that. And she's basically said that these bailouts are essential to safeguard the U.S. banking system as a whole. And that we need to guarantee these depositors' accounts. As a matter of fact, her exact words were, quote, Similar actions could be warranted if smaller institutions suffer deposit runs, which are just bank runs, that pose a risk of contagion. Similar actions could be warranted, she says. Might be seeing more of those. Now, some people are calling this a bank bailout. Some people are saying that it is not a bank bailout. In 2008, what the bank bailout, quote-unquote, was, was the government paid for all the depositors, all the depositors of of these banks and everything. They all got their money back, which is what's happening here. But in 2008, all of the bank's investors also got their money back. Banks take people's money that people put into the bank to, you know, as deposits. They take that money and they gamble with it and they buy stock and they trade and they get gold and they buy land and they do all this crazy stuff. It's all just a big legal gambling system, right? In 2008, the government paid for all of that, all that risk that the banks took. The government paid for it. This time around, the government is not paying for that. The government is only paying for people individuals, companies, groups, clubs that put their money in the bank as depositors. That's why some people are saying it isn't a bailout. Whatever you want to call it, 
whatever the the word of the week is doesn't matter because the point is is that Janet Yellen says she might be doing more of it whatever it is whatever you want to call it now this is important to note because this week right after Janet Yellen you know announced that the Fed also announced that they are going to be increasing interest rates again and what that is likely to lead to is more banks are more likely to struggle even more. <laughs> Economists came out this week, and we discussed this on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Economists came out this week to say that banks will be struggling, basically, with liquidity, and uh, this will perhaps, probably cause even more bank failures. And so the economy right now, so why is the Fed doing this? I mean, the Fed just announced that they're going to be doing these bank, these these depositor bailouts while also announcing that they are going to continue taking actions that would likely lead to more banks failing, requiring they do more depositor bailouts. Why are they doing this? Well, because if they don't raise the interest rates, inflation is going to continue being a huge problem. All the interest rate hikes up until this point, all of them were intended to reduce the effect of inflation. All the while, the Democratic Party has been spending more and more money. Which, by the way, little lesson here for you. Joe Biden doesn't have a big safe filled with cash that he kind of pulls out and distributes when needs be. When the, when the Democrats send this money to Ukraine or, or when, when the government, Republicans do, when the government as a whole does this, they print more money. They just make more money. They invent it out of thin air, making every one of your dollars worth less money. That's what inflation is. And so that's why where this all this inflation is coming from, arguably, some people think it's from elsewhere, arguably, it is from government spending, because when they spend, they just print more money. And that's what they spend, more or less. Obviously, there are a lot more other components to it. For example, the, the Fed has to filter money in and out. That's why there's not $1 bills from 1905 in circulation anymore, right? They have to filter them out, and so they destroy some money, so to speak, and put new in. There's a lot of stuff going on, but the point is, is that inflation is continuing to become a problem. And all of these interest rate hikes that were supposed to subdue that, inflation has been outpacing all of it. And now we're in a point where inflation is outpacing the interest rate hikes, which are outpacing banks. (laughs) With more inflation, more interest rate hikes, more banks collapses. That's sort of like this death spiral that we found ourselves in. It's not a really good situation to be in. Since last March, the Fed has hiked interest rates eight times. It's like a new record, I think. And this week, it raised them again, (laughs) which is nutso. Now, some good news is is that the Fed did come out and say, in their outlook, the situation has changed from negative to stable in terms of the U.S. banking system. Before the U.S. banking system, on the verge of done. But now they think they have it pretty much stabled out, which is nice, if that's true. And if it isn't true, well, we're going to be back to bartering. And finally, the last uh, major group of things that we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch and News Talk, KZRG, a number of interesting laws, regulations, that sort of thing went down this week that we discussed. The first one I want to talk about are puberty blockers. This week, the Department of Health and Human Services, the HHS for short, Some Republicans pointed out that they appear to be ignoring their own sub-agency's warning about puberty blockers. 
the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, are a subsidiary of the Health and Human Services. And the FDA ordered several puberty blockers to include a warning that the drugs may cause specifically increased skull pressure. That sounds awful. I don't know the science, but the FDA said, yeah, you need to have a warning on this. That's the FDA's job. They are the ones that tell people where to put warnings, when, how, and why. The FDA said, you got to put a warning on these. However, a proposed Health and Human Services rule requiring doctors to provide puberty blockers and sex change operations or face discrimination lawsuits does not acknowledge any potential dangerous side effects of any of the procedures. In layman's terms, the HHS wants to pass a law that says if you are a doctor and you do not provide sex change hormones or surgery, then you can be sued for discrimination. And you don't have to tell anybody the side effects. You just you could you just have to do it. But the FDA said, no, dude, you got to have warning labels on this because these drugs affect different people in different ways. That's what the warnings are all about. But the HSS is ignoring that in sort of an ironic twist, given that the FDA is actually a subsidiary of the HHS. So all in all, they seem to kind of be ignoring their own rules. That turned a lot of heads this week, led to a lot of frustration. Another interesting political happening um, this week, the Jim Crow gun law. Republican lawmakers in North Carolina passed a repeal of a Jim Crow era gun law that was intentionally intended to prevent black Americans from owning firearms. So says the Democratic Party back then. Back then, Democrats were saying that this Jim Crow era gun law was intentionally intended to prevent black Americans from owning firearms. And the Republicans said, you know what? You're right. We're going to go ahead and repeal that. Bam, it's gone. Now, specifically that era, that Jim Crow era law in question specifically said that a pistol purchase permit required that local sheriffs would be tasked with ensuring residents have, quote, good moral character, end quote, before they are allowed to buy a firearm. Basically, some argue, some historians argue and some politicians argue that it was intended to circumnavigate the 14th Amendment of 1868, which required that gun control laws be racially neutral. And essentially, the way it worked back then is if you were a black American and you wanted to buy a gun, you could pass all of the normal tests that said you had the right to carry a firearm because this is America. But a sheriff had to confirm that you were of good moral character. And he could that sheriff could just look at you and say, no, you are not of good moral character. I don't like your character. I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you act. I don't like the way you talk. You're not of good moral character. You don't get a gun. Bam. That's the end of it. Well, Republicans went ahead and repealed that. They said that's not right. And in sort of a historical flip here, the Democrats are now the ones that are actually defending this Jim Crow era gun restriction. Democratic North Carolina State Representative Pricey Harrison said, quote, The sheriffs know best back home who should and should not be carrying a pistol. There's so much more we could be doing about keeping our community safe, but unleashing and letting access to guns to individuals who absolutely pose a danger to themselves and others is a real problem, end quote. Now, will the Democrats try and fight back? Will the Democrats try and reinstate Jim Crow era laws? I don't know. We're all sort of waiting to see if they will, but who's to say? 
But that's pretty much it. Those are sort of the main points that we had on our show prep and everything we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Be sure to tune in this week on FM 102.9, 105.9, AM 1310, or on your smart speaker at News Talk KZRG. You can also watch us every single morning live on Facebook, on our Facebook page at News Talk KZRG. What's great about the Facebook Live is you can leave live time comments while we're doing the Morning News Watch. And we actually respond to them and answer them. And more often than not, what people say in the comments actually steers the conversation on the Morning News Watch. For instance, if you leave a comment about, say, Ben Baker on the Facebook live stream, then we'll start talking about Ben Baker. And meanwhile, people just listening to terrestrial radio go, what? How did they get on to Ben Baker? Well, we got on it because... Suzanne or Tony or Rick or many of the friends that join us every morning, they brought it up. And so it actually steers the conversation. So it's a fun way to actually be engaged with us. We'd, we'd love to see you there. Next week, we have a lot of big things cooking. We have a number of guests that are going to be very exciting. So be sure to tune in. And remember, if you ever miss anything, you can always catch it right here on Plot Summary with News Talk KZRG.